Hello. Welcome to Discovering Jazz, where you and I together discover great music, picking up information to keep jazz old and new alive. My name is Larry Sademan, here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. Suffering from a bit of a cold today, but I think we'll make it through this week's podcast. Last week, I introduced you to Mark Basie, the founder and artistic director of what he describes as being the first international jazz festival in North America, Edmonton's Jazz City. This week, more anecdotes from Mark about that festival and stories about some of his interactions with jazz greats at that festival, as well as his take on what it was that contributed to Edmonton getting that reputation as a jazz city. Mark certainly played a big part in that, thanks partly to his willingness to take risks and book international artists who deserved to be better known than they were, such as this next one, somebody I had never heard of, who was one of the first musicians that Mark had promoted when Mark was living in Victoria, B.C. in the mid-1960s, a hard-bought pianist named Freddie Red, R-E-D-D. Let's give a listen to him from 1960 on Blue Note. Blues, blues, blues. With Freddie Red on piano, Jackie McLean, alto sax, Tina Brooks, tenor sax, Paul Chambers bass, and Louis Hayes drums.
from 1960's Shades of Red album. That's Freddie Red with Jackie McLean, Tina Brooks, Paul Chambers, and Louis Hayes. Blues, blues, blues. Let's hear from Mark Vasey, the initiator of that amazing Edmonton Jazz Festival, Jazz City, that took place from 1980 to 2004. I love his story of how he ended up becoming a jazz promoter and festival organizer. I started playing the trumpet when I was 10 years old. I started my first band when I was about 12 years old at school and uh, started started promoting gigs. And, and, you know, I was, even then I wanted to be an anthropologist, but I had no idea that I would never, I would never be an anthropologist and, and, I would, uh, and that I would make a career out of something I never anticipated at all. By the time I was 16 or 17 years old, I was playing professionally and I, I and I figured out pretty quickly that that if I was going to get gigs in Victoria and, and eventually here when I moved here when I was 21 to Edmonton, uh, that I was going to have to promote them myself. Mm-hmm. No, one, no one was going right. to hand me any work. So when I first uh, started doing sort of professional uh, uh, promoting, I promoted uh, uh, Charles Mingus at the University of Victoria. Wow. In 1964, 65, and then I I promoted Freddie Red, uh, who was a piano player, uh, a a New York piano player. And then when I I moved to Edmonton temporarily in 1968 uh, to finish my my degree at, at, at the U of A in the anthropology department, I was approached by a friend of mine who I who I met at the U of A, who was in the U, who was in the U of A big band, and he invited me to join the band, and and uh, this would be in 1968-69, and uh, he was also an ex armed forces member. He used to be in the army, but he he was a baritone saxophone player, uh, and uh, he had kept in touch with with people from the NORAD the NORAD big band based in Colorado. At the Nor- at the NORAD base there. Anyway, they were they wanted to come to Edmonton and, and perform. So he and I, whose his name is Harvey DeDuke, uh, he and I put together a plan and a promotion and everything to bring the NORAD band to uh, to to Edmonton. And they, uh, they didn't have a fee because the, the U.S. government was paying them, paying their travel, and paying their expenses and everything. So anyway, we we did that for two years, 1969 and 1970, and. Uh, that was my first sort of promotional experience working in 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 Edmonton as a as a promoter. I was I was also promoting uh, shows and club dates and stuff when I was working with PJ Perry. Uh, we had a quintet for a few years with David Foster on oh, wow. piano uh, for a couple of years. We played it played at pizza joints usually after hours. Usually they were they ended up being bottle clubs, so you would play from from uh, midnight to three in the morning, whatever, and bring your own, bring your own booze. And there were quite a few of those in the, in the early 70s, uh, opportunities like that. And saxophonist P.J. Perry, a regular at the Jazz City Festival and the Yardbird Suite, has moved on over the years from bottle clubs to being an Edmonton jazz legend. Let's hear something by him from his most recent album called No Hugs, written in the midst of COVID. This tune is called Scaredy Cat, with more Edmonton legends, Bob Tildesley, trumpet, Chris Andrew, piano, Paul Johnston on bass, and Dave Lang, drums.
J. Perry. Here's some more from Mark Vasey about some of the work that preceded the beginnings of the Jazz City Festival. In, in uh, 1972, I was able to go to the first uh, Newport in New York City Jazz Festival. Newport had shut down in uh, sometime in the early 60s because of the riots that, that happened both at the Folk Festival and at the Jazz Festival in the, in the Newport uh, Rhode Island area there. I was there to do interviews with as many jazz folks as I could, and uh, one of them was Woody Shaw, Joe Henderson, uh, Pepper Adams, Freddie Hubbard, you know, Amazing. on and on and on. I still have those tapes that, that I did, but I thought that I would like to bring some of these people to Edmonton. Uh, and so, uh, and that's how the Pepper Adams recording uh, right. Uh, uh, took place there at, at uh, Room at the Top with the Tommy Banks trio and Pepper was the first uh, individual that we that we were able to bring and it, it was a collaboration I had 8 or 10 other friends we all put money in a, in, in a pot and if we made money we'd share the profit if we, if we lost money we'd share the loss and uh, for that very first show with Pepper Adams in uh, 1972 we actually made a little bit, bit of money, like $25 or something. That Pepper Adams tape ended up being bought by Corey Weeds of the Cellar Music Group, remastered and released last year as Live at Room at the Top, and it made a few reviewers' best of 2022 list. From that album, here is the short theme song, Tiz, written by Thad Jones, with Pepper Adams saxophone, Tommy Banks piano, Bobby Cairns on bass and Tommy Doran on drums. Adams with Tommy Banks, a concert recorded by Mark Vasey in 1972, my guest for this week's episode of Discovering Jazz. Lots happened between 1971 and 1980, which was the year the Jazz City first got off the ground. Why Edmonton? Mark talks about why the time and place seemed ripe for a major jazz festival. Some of it thanks to Edmonton radio station CKUA, where Mark was working at the time, as well as CBC Radio. There was a lot of jazz on the radio 
in those days, both on CKUA, of course, locally, and on CBC. There are national broadcasts. There, you know, there were jazz centers in Vancouver, uh, Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal, Halifax, and uh, of course, that's all gone now. There's 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 nothing to stimulate the audience like like there was in in the early 70s. There was, there was a lot of jazz on the radio that you could get here in Edmonton. You know, it was it was quite phenomenal. But that's kept forward to the moment that this international jazz festival became a likely possibility. Here's more from Mark Fazy. In 1979, I had the very great opportunity to travel to Japan with with Big Miller's band. I was the trumpet player and 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 manager of that band for quite a few years and uh we were playing in we, we were in Kyoto we were playing these events uh sponsored by the Alberta government it was sort of a trade experience and showing the you know the uh, the varied culture of Alberta of various eth- ethnicities etc and uh i got a message from from the Alberta government when we were in Kyoto playing saying that the, the assistant deputy minister was going to come and, and visit us in Kyoto uh, and, and have, a, have a discussion about, you know, the sort of the, kind of the future of, of jazz music in Alberta. And uh, this was in the spring of 1979. And uh, uh, he showed up and we were, we, he, he brought a few bottles of very good Japanese scotch <laughs> and we sat around. The whole band was was around, and Big was was around. And 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 he said, you know, what do you think about, uh, you know, the Jazz Society sponsoring a, a major jazz festival for the 75th anniversary of the province of Alberta in 1980, the, the summer of 1980. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we can do it. We'll just need money. And he said, well, well, how much do you need? What would you need? And unfortunately. I spoke too quickly <laughs> because we needed a lot more than I asked for. Mark mentioned that he was in Japan playing with the Big Miller Band. We spent about 20 minutes of the interview talking about the great and late Big Miller, who was such an important figure in the Edmonton jazz scene, a Kansas City blues master who became a jazz and blues ambassador for the province of Alberta. I've edited our discussion down to about four minutes, which I'll play for you shortly. But first, let's hear something from that great singer from his earliest years. This is from the Evolution of the Blues song album of 1960, put together by the great John Hendricks, which led to his touring and eventually Big Miller being stranded in Vancouver, then transporting himself to Edmonton. Here's his own composition, Suffering Blues, with an introduction by John Hendricks. So you see, when the children get away from the church, they're going to have to pay earthly dues. So no wonder that they name them after the sky they live under. As one great American philosopher once said, Everybody understands the blues. Well, it's hard to live, baby, when you're all alone. Yes, it's so hard to live, baby, when you're all alone. Well, there's so much suffering always going on. Gonna work every day, do my own. I'm in trouble too. Yes, you say you're trouble, baby. Yes, I'm in trouble too. If you will comfort me, yes, I will comfort you. Thank you. 
Jade Miller. Here is Mark Fazy, founder of the Jazz City Festival, talking about Big Miller and some things about the relationship they had, starting from after uh, his being stranded in Vancouver along with John Hendricks and the whole band due to the promoter taking off with all the money. All he had was was the bass and a, a, a suit and two pairs of shoes. That's, that's all he had in Vancouver. Well, one of the, one of the people that had seen that show uh, in Vancouver had met Big, a woman who was, who was from Edmonton here. She had a, a booking agency. She had given Big her card, her business card. Anyway, he called her and said he was stranded in, in Vancouver. So, so she sent him enough money for a bus ticket and he came to Edmonton. And he started working in, in the area. When I arrived here in six, 1968, in the fall of 1968, at the time, Big had, with his trio, Big, uh, uh, Big had like two or three week house gigs. He had this little circuit that Mary, that Mary, Mary Roth was her, her last name, Mary Roth, uh, had, had built, you know, over the years. Any, anyway, one thing led to another, and she offered Big a, a, a partnership in the in the uh, in the business. So he, he established roots here. He eventually bought a, a, a small small condo, got established, got citizenship, sort of a spokesperson for for culture in Alberta over over the years. But after our first meeting, Big asked me to come by. You know, the next time I, I was there with my trumpet and sit and, and sit in, so I did. I did, uh, and that was the beginning of a very long uh, relationship <laughs> between the two of us. It, me often, me often, often working as his as his manager and booking agent and trumpet player and 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 all that for for many many years and over the years we had uh, some really great bands uh, you know small small quintets that that played with with big and and I remember I have recording actually cassette recordings of of of, of a gig that we were doing in Banff at a, at a at a small nightclub there right on right on Banff Avenue with with the quintet myself Jim Pynchon on on tenor Wayne Festchuk on piano John Gray on bass and Tom Foster on drums, and he was just flying. He were some nights that I remember we, he he just lifted the whole band right up off the floor, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with his with his voice and his time. And and Jim Pynchon would start to sound like John Coltrane. Yeah, it was really really special. But and the other thing that that was great, my uh, my kids used to call him Papa Big. He was at my house quite a, quite a lot for dinner and just to hang out and. We'd go fishing, but one of the great things is he, he he loved to tell stories about about traveling in the in the South and traveling with Jay McShann and Duke Ellington and Count Basie and and Cab Calloway. He was a an historical figure from the from the '30s, the '40s, the '50s, and the '60s in what we used to call race music. Right? It was about about how he he learned how to get along with people, how to get by, and how to how to survive in the in the music business, how to survive not making any money, <laughs> really, really uh, just a, a different life, certainly a different life that I had exper- than I had experienced over mm-hmm. over my musical uh, my musical career. Big Miller played a lot with another Edmonton icon, Tommy Banks, who we heard in that Pepper Adams track. Here is Big Miller with Tommy Banks' Big Band and Quartet from an album of recordings made between 1978 and 1989, released in 1997, five years after Big Miller's death. Here is Mr. Blue's Child, Big Miller. The blues would let me. Lord knows I would smile. 
sitting here just crying. I am Mr. Blue's child in the midnight hour. Early this morning too, in the midnight hour. Early this morning too. Sitting here, just wondering why you do me like you do. You might sun up in the sky at night. You might guide star. Yes, you might sun up in the sky at night. You might guide star. Well, I love you, yes, I love you. If you don't be gone too far. Now my days are lonely. Nighttime drives me wild. Now my days are lonely. Nighttime drives me wild. Sitting here, just crying for me, Mr. Blues' child. The Big Miller Band with the Tommy Banks Big Band and Quartet, featuring a number of Alberta musicians. Let's talk more about the Jazz City Festival and some of the amazing artists who played at that festival. I asked Mark Fazy, who had been the artistic director for the 25 years of that particular festival, from 1980 to 2004, about some of the most memorable moments for him during the life of the festival. The question threw him off a bit, but with a bit of prompting, he certainly recovers here. And what a sense of excitement you hear from him, and no doubt from the jazz-loving public about this amazing Edmonton Festival. What are some of the most memorable events in terms of things that absolutely blew you away, musically and personality-wise, in terms of some of the players? I'd have to, I'd have to see a list. I don't, I don't have, I don't have. (laughs) Here's people from eighty, eighty-one, eighty-three, and all the way to about oh yeah, ninety-six or something. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to believe these actually happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, given the given the climate, uh, wow. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it, it was it was great to 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 meet uh, Dizzy Gillespie. He was he was, and the Modern Jazz Quartet, Milt Jackson. They mm-hmm. they were they were wonderful individuals to work with, and and they were, you know, they were they were open to all kinds of things. Dizzy sat in with lots of different people when he was. He was here, um, and Milt Jackson as well, and yeah, they were, and they worked with one another in, in an infor- informal basis. Um, you know, there are so there are so many. This blows me away, actually. This, this to see this, the timeless all stars, the Art Ensemble Chicago. Those gentlemen were fabulous to work with, and great, great individuals, and and you know, working with us, and and. They just, uh, they were, tr- you know, they're true artists, these people. They're, they're, I mean, look at this list that you've just handed me here. Incredible. Uh-huh. Michael Brecker, the Brecker brothers. Dave Holland, always. Horace Silver, yeah. Wow. Mark Basie mentioned the Yardbird Suite, and this is an Edmonton Jazz Club that deserves a whole episode of its own, and at some point it will put together such an episode featuring some of the great musicians who have played at that club, a club that is still going strong. But right now, I want to play a couple of the artists who contribute so much to this festival and to jazz in general. The great Dizzy Gillespie with Milt Jackson. They started off year four of the festival in 1983 from Dizzy Gillespie Jam, 
live from the Montreux Jazz Festival in 1977, featuring Dizzy Gillespie trumpet, Monty Alexander piano, Milt Jackson vibraphone, John Faddis trumpet, Ray Brown bass, and Jimmy Smith drums. This is Harold Arlen's Get Happy. Thank you. 
Susie Gillespie from 1977 with so many great musicians. Pianist Monty Alexander, Milt Jackson on vibes, John Fattis trumpet, Ray Brown bass, and Jimmy Smith drums. Get happy. Not so happy an experience was one the festival had that fourth year with financial challenges that some musicians didn't make any easier for Jazz City and their reputation. Here's Mark Fazy once again. It was not a great time for the music in, in the, from a financial point of view, from an artist's point of view in terms of, of viability for them. And, and, and you know, there were, we, were, we were obviously, as a, as, a, as a relatively small market, quite a small market relative to Vancouver or Toronto or Montreal or any of the larger cities or in, in the U.S., and, and there were challenges in terms of, of uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, really paying artists and, and 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 some artists were some artists were were reluctant to go on uh, before they were paid, namely uh, Stan Getz, and then uh, you know he absconded. He played he was supposed to play two sets, forty-five minute sets, and he played one. 45 minute sets and then he left town and he'd already been paid and he and, and he didn't pay his band members oh gee and they were from chicago new york and l and la and they were stranded here because that, that was a very uncomfortable yeah. situation to, was the jazz festival blamed for that by uh, they did but 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 it wasn't anything to do with us right no. it was it was their 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 illustrious band leader you're listening to a Stan Getz track from 1982 that features one of those musicians with him on that ill-fated Jazz City performance, pianist Jim McNeely, a Billy Strayhorn composition called Blood Count.
But one of the things that made Jazz City so amazing was Mark Vasey's willingness to take risks and to bring in artists who were outside the mainstream. And people trusted that it would be a great concert because they were all great concerts. One such person, a pianist who I had the pleasure of seeing that fourth year, was Italy's Franco D'Andrea. I asked Mark about him. Pretty amazing and pretty obscure artists who did really well. I'm thinking one of the, my memorable experiences were hearing Franco D'Andrea. You know, I mean, nobody had heard of no, him. No, no. But <laughs> he, he, with the connection I had with, with, uh, with, with Franco was that when I was over the over the twenty plus years that I, I managed the International Jazz Workshop Program at the Banff Center. Uh, a student from uh, from Italy, a student of Dave Holland's actually, who was living in in New York, came to the came to the program, and uh, he was Franco's bass player, and and uh, uh, from Milan, and uh, he ended up after the the workshop was over and the summer was was done, he ended up he ended up coming to Edmonton and he played with a few people here for a couple of weeks, stayed with my family and I, and. Uh, and that was how the how we made the connection with Franco. I, I'd never heard of Frank Franco D'Andrea either, <laughs> until until that that personal connection was made. Right. Mm-hmm. It's quite the concert, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great player. Great, great player. He's he's a great solo player and and a, and a great you know rhythm rhythm player. And, and he had some great court. He had great quartets. Great saxophone player with him. And I believe the bass player's name was Attilo Zanchi. The saxophonist may have been Trino Tracana, as he was with him when Franco D'Andrea came to Jazz City the following year, 1984. Also with him there was Gina Cazzola on drums. Let's finish today's episode with something from Franco D'Andrea with those particular musicians. It's from an album called Made in Italy. The tune is called Rag and Blues. This is Larry Shadman, and I invite you to tune in to Discovering Jazz next week, where I'm planning on sorting out a few CDs I have hanging around, playing, playing a few before I either file them or put them in my giveaway bin. And sometime within the next few weeks, I'll talk more about jazz in Edmonton and the Yardbird Suite. Bye for now.